0: This is Hacker Public Radio, episode 3636 for Monday, the 11th of July, 2022. Today's show is entitled, The Importance of Data Reduction. It is part of the series Privacy and Security. It is hosted by Lurking Pryan and is about 39 minutes long. It carries an explicit flag. The summary is I have a discussion about data reduction with special guest and author are Brady Frost.
1: Morning, good afternoon, good evening, good night, wherever it happens to be, wherever you are in the world, you're listening to the stuff Evil Steve doesn't want you to know and I'm your host, Lurking Pryon. So, recapping what we've talked about, we talked about changing passwords, that was my first episode, we talked about good idea fairy hunting, where we go and we look for the guys who are, or gals, who are coming up with good ideas and ingratiating ourselves with them. Um, I've had really good luck with that in the past as far as um, implementing security within an organization. Uh, we talked about who the fuck is evil, Steve. We actually had two episodes on that. Talked about implementing two-factor authentication and getting a password manager. And this week we are joined by our Brady Frost, an author, writes sci-fi and other cool stuff. And uh, welcome to the show, Brady. Hey, thank you. i to uh, be here. I'm glad to have you here. It's um. it's always good to be joined by other people so that you could not feel like you're just talking to yourself. <laughs> I talk to myself all the time. Well, I, I do too. Um, <laughs> I, I, <laughs> I answer myself too. <laughs> oh shit. So um, I understand you have some questions for me. Yeah. Yeah. So where did this idea for evil Steve come from? All right. That's uh it's actually kind of a funny story. I was um, I was teaching um, Security Plus and A Plus for the Air Force. I stood up the eighty five seventy course for the Air Force, um, and we were teaching these students Security Plus. But I didn't want them to just come in and get a certification. That was never the idea for eighty five seventy. Matter of fact, I even got to sit down with the guy who came up with eighty five seventy, and he was horribly distraught with what had happened to it where it just became a certification game. Um, That wasn't his goal at all. He actually wanted people to get the value of what was being taught from a security aspect rather than just having a certification. Uh, But all the branches implemented it differently, and um, it became a horrible mess. But when I was teaching my students, I wanted them to realize that it's not things that are attacking us. Everybody talks about worms and viruses and ransomware. But what they don't realize is there's actually a person on the other end of a keyboard somewhere that purposely attacked you. And I wanted them to start thinking and keep thinking about security in the context of a person is attacking you, not a thing. Um, and Steve was one of the guys that I was teaching with. And um, he was he was known to have kind of a, a bristly personality. <laughs> I made Evil Steve, and um, it worked. Everyone was like, okay, cool, you know, Evil Steve. Uh, I thought he was using Evil Rob when he taught, but as it turns out, no, he wasn't, and he didn't even know where Evil Steve came from until this year I was talking to him, and uh, he started laughing. He's like, oh, my God, I had no idea. Um, But yeah, Evil Steve um, actually is like the main bad guy for Air Force Cyber Command, so whenever they're talking about the bad guy, it's Evil Steve. It's kind of caught on and became part of the culture, and uh, yeah, that's Evil Steve. So pretty awesome. That's a good story. Good. I like that. Yeah. So I've actually got a domain for Evil Steve. Um, yeah. So I'm I'm looking to get that set up and rolling. Um, it's kind of difficult right now because of the um, international political situations that are going on,
0: so. That's understandable.
1: Oh. Mm. Um, yeah, i yeah. <laughs> you know, it's, hard to, it's hard to have domains in Russia right now. Um, <laughs> well, let me rephrase. It's, it's hard to manage domains in Russia right now. <laughs> uh, I bet. Yeah. Okay.
2: Yeah. Right, the other so, questions. okay. Yeah, yeah. Um. I was just gonna say, like, I think you know, if for the the listeners who have followed these these episodes, you know, yeah. and myself in general, like, I feel like you know, most of us are generally pretty security conscious. Um, we try to be. You know, we're we're busy. Uh, there's there's a lot going on. You know, um, you know, passwords, password managers, you know, two factor authentication. We're seeing that more and more. Um, you know, our phones want to want to be involved in two factor authentication. Our email accounts, you know, suggest it. If we don't have it enabled, we're getting an alert for it. You know, some of us have gotten better at, at looking for phishing emails. Our our grandparents are great at sending those out, or our parents. Oh, well, absolutely. Um, you know, so so some of us are catching on. You know, are, are, are there any areas that
1: you know maybe we're overlooking? Um, do you have any data in the cloud? Of course. Yeah, I'm an author. Okay, so you've got stuff. Um, so like how many Gmail accounts, Microsoft accounts, Apple accounts, Yahoo accounts? How many of those do you have? Too many. How <laughs> long have you had them? For a while. Okay.
2: Um, so my my original Gmail account, I got in on the beta. And you know what? You're, you're going to laugh because um, here, I, I'm going to pull it up. I have sixteen thousand and fifty three unopened emails. Wow! And I'm not I'm not joking. I just read that off my screen. That is crazy.
1: That is insane. I, I need
2: them. I need them because you never know. Um, you know, Representative Blake Moore has a newsletter, and, and he's telling me that Better Cybercrime Metrics Act, um, and and this it, it, all about that about the Better Cybercrime Metrics Act. And and the supporting uh, the American Circuit Boards Act and constituent meetings and stuff like that, like that, that's important. He's telling me all about the cybercrime. I haven't opened it and I have no intent to open it, um, but it's in my email box. And if I ever need it, I know where I can find it. That
1: that might be helpful or or it might not. Have you ever like emailed yourself something from work? Yes. Yes, I have to work on. Um, now, I, I know you've you've had this email and these email accounts for a while. Um, is there anything that you may have emailed yourself in the past, like maybe mortgage documents, bank statements, maybe passwords to somebody like your wife because she needed a password to something, maybe your social security number, anything like that? Probably.
2: I, I'm not going to lie to you. I have probably done that. Especially anytime you go to refinance your house, you know, yeah. they want you know, they want your, your, all your stuff and, and yeah. how do they get it? Like, you know, you either, you can upload it through DocuSign sometimes. Uh, sometimes they just want you to send it over to the mortgage broker um, in an email. So yeah. yeah, now that you mention that, I probably have quite
1: a few of those, those emails sitting in my sent items box. And you know, a lot of people have dated. There's a lot of people who have dated, and you know, When I was single and I was dating, I used to get pictures all the time. All the time. And I I know I'm not the only one. And I know people have sent pictures. But you know, the thing is, is those things are still sitting in your mailbox. All of those old conversations that you've had with people. And it's one of those things that we just get email and it sits in our box. And we just think, okay, great. It's there. I can get it whenever I need it. The flip side is, if Evil Steve gets access to your account there is a treasure trove of data sitting there at his disposal, and he can do anything that he wants with it. And just the mortgage papers for refinancing your house gives him absolutely everything he needs to become our Brady Frost.
2: That's
1: true. And
2: you know, I've I I have emailed myself drafts of chapters um, as an author. You know, I've got I've got two published books out there, and I'm I'm constantly working and I'm constantly on the go. Um, so someone out there, you know, might want that, and then they go looking for that, and they find all this other stuff. I, you know, you make a really good point here. Uh, my entire life is sitting in these accounts.
1: Yeah, it's it's all there, and that's the problem. See, this is the biggest problem with the society that we have in infosec: is the business community and people in general. We we are all about data. We want to have massive amounts of data on hand at all times. The problem is, whenever Steve gets access to your organization, he has access to massive amounts of data because it's there and available at all times because you might need that thing from 10 years ago. When yeah, in reality,
2: I am constantly using that search feature. And I know that there's there are folks out there, they, they've got the Google Foo. You know, yeah. we... Constantly have to keep so much in our brains because I'm not just an author; I also work full time. You know, I've got I've got two graduate degrees. I, I've gone the school route. I've worked full time the entire time, so my brain is just full of data. And the way I survive is I search my inbox. So, so I what I need to know from you, Rob, I guess is what can I do about this because because like you said, I, I am addicted to this information. I need it. So, so how, how do I go forward still okay. holding on to this information, but, but getting it in a more safe environment?
1: Okay. So there's some information that you need. Um, there's important stuff that you look for all the time. And you can just pull up your history of your searches, and that will really quickly, quickly tell you what kind of information is important. So what I would recommend doing is setting up folders for those emails and then set up rules to automatically move important emails to those specific folders. Okay. All right. So everything else is sitting in your mailbox. The next thing I would do is I would download literally all of my emails. All Did you know you could even do that? You know, when I, I saw it
2: was a feature because I have... Let's see. I have a total of twenty five thousand plus emails, I guess. Um, so I have opened nine thousand of them, um, and I am running out of storage space. And I don't want to pay Google extra money, um, you know, just to store my emails. And so, yeah, like every now and then, I go and delete some. and And I did see that there is a feature to download that stuff, but yeah, I, I guess without knowing how to manage that information once I download it. Um, I didn't really take it any further.
1: Well, when when you download it, it comes down as a zip file. Okay. Everything is there. All of your emails are there. All of the attachments that are in those emails are there. So you download it to a zip file. Now you have all of your emails in a zip file. Um, maybe put that on a disk that's not connected to the Internet, like on a hard drive or a thumb drive. Even better would be to encrypt it using a um, GPG key or something else. And then you could just put that encrypted file on your Google Drive. That way you've got access to it no matter where you're at. And then what I would do is I would delete out all of the emails from my inbox. Um, you've already moved the ones that are important to those folders. You set up a search rule, you move all those to the, those folders, so all of those emails are sitting there. They're still ready for you. The other 15,000, delete them. Hmm. They're not They're not gone. They're sitting in that zip file. So if you right. find out, oh my gosh, I need that. Well, that's no problem. You can go open the zip file, search for it, and there you go. Um, is it a little more of a hassle? Sure. But now what you've done is you have shrunk the amount of data that you're sending or leaving in your inbox. And then what I would do is I would set up a rule to delete all emails um, when they reach four weeks of age. Because if you you think about it, in the world today, if you have an email that's four weeks old, is it really even relevant anymore? Uh, You know, every now and then I'll I'll find one. But if I'm archiving them, then I guess it's not really that much much different, is it? No. Well, I mean, the ones that are going to be important, you're going to move to your important folders. Right. And if you don't want to delete the emails, you could, again, just download them and keep them in a zip file. I know a lot of people don't want to delete. That's fine. You don't have to. I personally believe in deleting. If I don't need it, delete it. But if you want to save it, you could just keep downloading zip files, and that way your inbox is very minimal and you've only got the emails in there that you actually need. That way, if your account does get compromised, because, I mean, Steve's pretty creative. And eventually, we're going to fall for it. He's going to come up with a good enough scenario, a good enough ploy, or we're just going to have a bad day where we didn't have enough coffee. And boom, let's minimize the amount of damage that Steve can do when he does get access to our accounts.
2: That's, that's a very good point. Uh, now, is, is it just email? I mean, should I be looking to do this sort of a thing on on any other types of media or communications?
1: Um, yeah. um the other thing you gotta keep in mind is with all of your email accounts, there's also an associated drive like Google Drive, Microsoft OneDrive. Um, you've got Dropbox. If you have any Dropbox accounts or box accounts, you've got all of these cloud storage accounts that have information in it that's just sitting there. Again is this information being protected? Because if somebody gets access to your Gmail account, they also have access to your Google Drive. So you might want to go through the information that's on all of those. And again, if you need it, put it into a zip folder and encrypt it. It's there if you need it, but it's not sitting there in plain text. Now, can Steve break the encryption and get in? Sure, sure. Is he going to have to work harder for it? Yes, yes. Is there probably an easier target to mess with? Yes.
2: Yeah, and I remember that from from your first episode on passwords and the length of passwords and how that can drastically increase the amount of time that it would take even with a brute force or rainbow tables to, to go through and try to crack your password. Yeah. So if I incorporate that when I'm encrypting uh, these files. If I'm incorporating that kind of a, a mindset, then i i can I can make this a lot easier on myself.
1: Absolutely. Um, the next thing I would do is I would also look at the information that you have on your computers and your phones. And again, how much of that information do you actually need readily at hand?
2: So, like maybe old text messages or.
0: Um, just Ooh, what you're text saving text. in your...
1: Old text yeah. messages are a treasure trove. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Um If you were to scroll through all of your texts, you might be surprised at the amount of information that's sitting in there. Do you really need them? I, I would argue that you don't. <laughs> mm. But again... I, a lot of apps allow you to download those texts. So you could download the text and save them in a zip file and then delete the ones that are on there.
2: That's that is, you know, I'm, I'm finding that it's a relatively, what you're telling me right here, it's a relatively straightforward concept, but in a way it's, it's so revolutionary because like you said, we're addicted to data. Just, I mean, I'm sure everything in our society these days is addicted to data. The companies want our data. They, you know, all all the data that we I'm constantly getting offered, "Hey, you know, come come back and and try our cloud service. We want to we want to house your data." Of course you do. Um and I love having cloud storage. So, you know, that that's an idea that it appeals to me and I'm sure I'm not alone. But no. what you're saying is is that we have to be a little bit more conscious about the way that we're storing our data and, and how we're just leaving it there. Yes, right?
1: absolutely. Um, you've got to <laughs> think of, you've got to think of your digital storage as your desk. All right. So you have important files in your house and right now they're all just sitting on top of your desk out there in the open. So somebody's no web.
2: It, hold on. Is, is my webcam on? Where Where are you in my office? Because my desk is
1: cluttered with important documents. <laughs> we We don't talk about that. Um, <laughs> uh, yes, that's a that's another subject we can talk about later. But. No, your your desk, it's just piled with all these papers including mortgage documents and things like that and we, we're smart enough to realize, hey, some of these documents are really important and we don't want anything to happen to them like if we had a fire or a flood or if somebody broke in and burgled our house. So we set up um, a, maybe a safety or a safety deposit box at a bank if we're really paranoid. Most of us have some kind of a little home safe or something like that that we can put the important papers in. Well, shouldn't you have a safe for your important information that's online?
2: Well, when you put it that way, it makes sense.
1: Yeah. I mean, at home, we're taking those physical paper documents that are really important, like our birth certificates and our marriage licenses and our mortgage deeds, and we're putting them into a safe. And yet online, all those copies are sitting there in plain text for anyone who has access to your account.
2: This is the sound of my mind being blown. (laughs) (laughs) So it really is just that easy, right? You're you're telling me all I have to do is just download these archive files that I have just sitting here. Yep. And and then just zip them up and encrypt them and put them on the cloud storage, or better yet, even keep a copy off off the cloud storage in a secure location.
1: Maybe in that safe that you've got in your house. Huh. <laughs> it's going to be really right. hard for a hacker to, to get information that isn't even on the internet. I'm just going to throw it out there.
2: I have to say, I think I'm sold. This is, I mean, it, it doesn't sound that hard to do. I mean, it's going to be a process deleting okay. these emails after I put them in a secure archive. But, you know, my even my 14 year old daughter is constantly telling me that it's disgusting. I've got all these emails in my, my inbox. And, yep. and I would swear she must have listened to this in, in the past. It, like so, went in the future and listen to this episode because she keeps a bare minimum inbox. And so. Well uh, so she she's on top of things, I guess. Maybe that's a you know, we give the younger generation so much grief, but it seems like she's light years ahead of me on this
1: one. Absolutely. Um, but they're very good at reading stuff and they don't want the clutter sitting there because they're bombarded with data. It's everywhere. They get it at school, they get it from their friends, they get it from their social media. Everything they do is on their phone or on their tablet. So, I mean, there's just data everywhere. So, it's a matter of practicality for them. Let's keep what we've got to a bare minimum so we can focus on what's actually worthy of our time. Um, so in a way, they're they're practicing good security concepts without even realizing that it's good security.
2: Hmm. That makes a lot of sense. I'm going to have after we get done with recording this this episode, I'm going to have to go tell her what a good job she's doing yeah, and absolutely. maybe maybe uh, admit defeat. And and then I'm going to come around and see things her way. Oh, a slice of humble pie.
1: Yeah, it's good to eat one every now and then. It is. It is. Uh you know, keeps us keeps us from getting our head too big, but yeah. Um, the other thing that you might want to think about, I, I know that you travel um, and I know that you have to check your email from different places and stuff like that. I would recommend going into all of your accounts and setting up one-time passwords. Um, you can do it real easy in Google. You can do it in LinkedIn. You can do it in Microsoft. Um, Go into the security section, and you can generate like a list of 10 one time codes that you can use instead of your password. Hmm. Now, let's think about this. At work, you go to work, you log into Facebook, you log into Gmail, you log into. Look, your work is inspecting your data. All of that information is in plain text. You just gave your employer your login credentials. Now, we trust that they're going to do the right thing and not keep it, right?
2: Well, you would hope so.
1: You would hope so. And I know that we're all working for ethical companies, right? We would hope so. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, even still, from public Wi-Fi, an airport, a hotel, here's the thing somebody at some point in time is going to be able to see that information as it's being transmitted from you to whatever server it's going to use the now, one-time password so that all they get is a password that cannot be reused. You, you just
2: brought up a really good point because uh, I was traveling with the family last year mm-hmm. and it's something that I, I have a, a bit of a security background I'm not a complete neophyte um but my wife has this uncanny ability to get herself into tricky situations with computers, and we were sitting in the hotel and and it's something for me that I am aware of um but but she didn't she she wasn't being attentive. And she had connected her phone to the Wi-Fi and it was close enough to look like the hotel's Wi-Fi, but it actually was not the hotel's Wi-Fi. So in that case, you're 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 like I you're totally on the nose with that one. She logged into Facebook, she logged into her email to make sure that the kids were doing all right. You know, and all I, I was I had to like, what which Wi-Fi are you connected to? And as soon as I saw that Yeah, like I had to tell her that she had to change all of her passwords that she had logged into all those accounts.
1: Absolutely, absolutely. Um, But yeah, using those one-time passwords, anytime that you're not connected to a network you trust, and I generally say if you're not at home on your own network, use a one-time password. Don't even take the chance. And you can generate those new codes all the time and use that in addition to your two-factor authentication. So just something to be a little bit more secure um and not giving away a password should you happen to connect to the wrong Wi-Fi. Yeah, that makes
2: that makes a lot of sense.
1: Just uh just simple stuff. And like saying when we do make that mistake, let's just try to make sure there's not a uh, treasure trove of data for them to steal. Let's uh or
2: over twenty-five thousand emails that they can sift through and that's only on the
1: receiving end. Yeah. <laughs> not to mention what's in your scent box. Right. <laughs> that might cause panic alone. Uh.
2: <laughs> well, I, I think I'm generally safe. Um, but like you said, it's when you have to send those important documents, you know, those are the ones that I've been sending out. So like that's, that's a lot of financial documents. That's a lot of, you know, uh, drafts that, that I'm not ready to get out there. Um, that's a lot of, you know, home details, um, yep. stuff that my kids are involved in, you know, like uh, sports and other interests. That's, there's a lot of information just on my side that's gone out to trusted parties.
1: Yes. Now, keep in mind, once you've sent something out to the ether, it's, it's out of your hands. Right. What you can control is what is in your box. And yeah,
2: if they get in and i've got it sitting there. They don't need to go hack anybody else, right? Nope.
1: Nope, not at all. They've got everything they need to make your life miserable for the rest of your life. No. Fun. Uh-huh.
2: <laughs> Isn't it joyful? <laughs> well, you know, it it I'll I'll be honest with you, Rob, it kind of sucks because like i i, I just said I, i'm not i don't consider myself a complete security neophyte, but you've pointed out something that I really hadn't put much thought into, you know, um, I don't write my passwords down. I don't leave them under my keyboard. Um, but here I am collecting this treasure trove of data on myself. And I I never really even thought about it.
1: And that's like, uh, we could even go into the ethics of look, Google also has access to all of those emails that are just sitting in your inbox.
2: That's true. Yep. Do they look at them? Well, so from what I've read is <laughs> a person might not, but the algorithm does. And, <laughs> and I've noticed I get ads based on emails I've sent. And that's not even me saying stuff in front of my phone. So unfortunately, oh, yes, I I think in one form or another, whether it's a robot, a piece of code, or human eyes, Google is definitely looking at my emails and they're probably looking at the ones that I, I decide to keep versus the ones that I delete. They, they probably have an entire profile just based on my interactions with my inbox.
1: Absolutely. And they're not the only ones. Uh, here's the thing. If you're going to run a free service like Google, you've got to make money somewhere, right? That I means I'm the product. You are the product. Absolutely. Anything that you use for free, your data is the product. They are monetizing you. And the question is, is how much do you really want to make for them?
2: I'm a generous guy, but I don't think I'm that generous.
1: I mean, well, has, I mean, Google, they're, they're kind of a big company, right? They, yeah, they, one of the biggest. Yeah. They generally have a lot of profits, right? Uh, yeah, lots of profits. And it's not from you paying them for services.
0: Mm,
1: no.
2: Well, I do I do have my domains
1: yes. through, through
2: Google Domain Services, but you are correct. I don't think there are enough domain sales every year to
1: add up to their level of corporate compensation. Nope the data that they have on you and the ability to market you to advertisers that's where the money comes from mm. i guess that that leaves us all with a
2: a question yeah does 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 using our data equate to being evil and if that's case, if that's the case then is Google breaking one of their original tenements of don't be evil. (laughs) And I think that's, it's probably, you know, once a company gets so big, it's kind of hard. Well, they did change that. Evil to someone.
1: They did change that (laughs) tenant.
2: What? Are you saying that they're no longer not going to be evil?
1: What I'm saying is that's no longer the tenant that they, uh, that they put out.
2: Oh boy. So I guess we all should have seen it coming. Of course. Of course we should have. <laughs> I mean, we
1: don't I, want you know,
2: to, I, don't. I, I see what you're saying. I did just hear about a new email service out there. I'm very excited about it. It's called Skynet. And I think I might be moving my emails
1: over to those servers instead. You know, um, companies are starting to realize that people do like their privacy. <laughs> uh, hopefully, we'll uh, we'll see some things. But in the meantime, I mean, I'm not going to say you know bad things about Google or Microsoft or anything like that. But no. let's minimize the amount of data that we have sitting out there. Um, right. We're all focused and- on availability. Whereas, yes. not everything needs to be that available. I mean, just like you're willing to take some time to open up a safe to get out your birth certificate. You probably should take a little bit of time to get out the important information that would really hurt you if someone got access to your account.
2: I see your point. And I'm not actually taking my emails over to Skynet because we all know how that turns out and we get the Terminators and all that stuff. So They're coming. I'll just try. I'll
1: try to protect my data a little bit better. That's all we can do. That's all we can do. Like I say, it's it's not about being secure. It's just about being more secure than the next potential victim. Whoever else is on Steve's plate.
2: <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's like running from the bear. You don't have to be fast. You just have to be faster than the other guy, right?
1: That's it. Absolutely. All <laughs> right. Don't run the other person.
2: I'm seeing the light. I'm seeing the light. I guess I'll spend this week cleaning up my inbox.
1: It's fun times, man. Clean up the inbox, and while you're in there, go ahead and generate some one-time passwords and uh, start using those. It's uh, yeah, a good point. Start using them. And, uh, you know, make sure your daughter's actually deleting those emails. She may just be keeping them in other folders. You might want to check on that.
2: No, she she's a deleter.
1: She's, she's definitely
2: a deleter, yep. Oh, right. um, but, but that is a good point, because there is an archive function and I'm not sure exactly how that works, um because you still have in gmail at least, you you can archive an email you can
1: absolutely and it doesn't it didn't go anyway
2: way. <laughs> yeah, but it's just another folder <laughs> yep, <laughs>
1: <laughs> but it makes you feel better, doesn't it? Well, not anymore uh, exactly <laughs> <laughs> that's the idea, man, ah. Uh, so, yeah, um, there you go. some good stuff for you. It's been uh been good talking to you. Do you have like any uh pick of the week A pick of the week hey, you know something um interesting that you would like to share, maybe a movie, a book, a uh, podcast, a news article you heard anything anything cool well,
2: actually, you know i I was thinking about this recently. Um, and, and this is a security information security um, related podcast. OK. And so uh, one thing that I would like to share when I was a kid, one of the things that got me interested in the idea of um, securing data and exploiting data was a movie called Hackers. Love that movie. Yeah, Angelina Jolie, a a bunch of other folks that were really popular in the day. Um, But a really great movie. Um, And then in that, for people who have been around a little while, I didn't realize this until later, um, one of the major systems to hack was called a Gibson. And hacking a Gibson was your credentials as a as a elite hacker right those days are so long gone yes but there was no such thing as a gibson Uh, what i found out is that the term cyberspace actually originated in a book called neuromancer written by william gibson so if you would ever like to uh do a little reading It's uh, very cyberpunk, but it was written in the 80s, so it's a little dated in the way that they view what cyberspace would be like, but a very enjoyable book. Check out uh, Neuromancer by William Gibson.
1: Well, that's very cool. I'm going to check that out. That sounds really cool. Right. I will check that out. Now, for me... With my limited time, I like to uh, just veg out and have a good laugh. So, uh, I've been watching a show called "Our Flag Means Death."
2: I've not uh, thought that one about. What what is that about? Pirates. (laughs) But well, are we talking about like pirates on the ocean or like pirates of Silicon Valley? What what kind of pirates uh, are we talking about?
1: We're talking like pirates on the ocean. Uh, The premise is there's this. This this rich guy who decides that he's tired of doing the land life and being with his wife that he was forced to marry and these kids that he has. So he just leaves and goes and buys a ship and recruits a crew and decides he's going to become a pirate and he's going to be a gentleman pirate. And, yeah, um, imagine the fun things that can happen to a person who's trying to be a pirate that doesn't know how to be a pirate. Uh, so, yeah, it's a very humorous show. Uh, I definitely enjoy it. It makes me laugh and uh, takes my brain off the craziness happening in the world. But, yeah, our flag means death. Check it out. All right. Oh, yeah. Good stuff. Well, hey, um, since you're here, I'm going to go ahead and let you plug yourself, man. Go ahead. Throw it out there. Oh, oh.
2: Thank you, Rob. So, yes, uh, my name is R. Brady Frost, and I am the author of uh, Battle Mage Reborn. It's a series in the lit RPG space, which is basically taking um, a world that has game mechanics, uh, very much like a, a role playing game, and then creating a story around it. So, the first book is called Second Chance, and uh, just this past fall, the second book the broken blade uh, was released I am currently working on book three but those are available on Amazon um, as an ebook uh, it's in Kindle unlimited uh, you can also uh, go on audible I've got audiobooks for both books out there so yeah if you're looking for some fantasy based role-playing game mechanics
1: with a with a enjoyable slightly dark story uh, go ahead and check it out I've read them both. I enjoy them. They're really good. Um, Can I give a little bit of spoiler here for other people that are listening? Uh, A little spoiler, maybe, yeah. Well, I mean, it's not going to be a big spoiler. The idea is um, this guy has died, and they are offering the service where um, they basically take brain scans and grab your personality, and then what they do is they upload you into this game when you die. So the main people in the game have all passed from earth and are living on in this game as characters. That is correct.
2: Yes. Talk about having all of your data in one place. Yes. <laughs>
1: <laughs> uh, be careful what you delete there. Um, <laughs> yeah. Good books. I definitely enjoy them. Um, highly recommend them. If you're interested in those kinds of things. Um, and even if you're not, maybe check it out. You might like it. But hey, you might- yeah. <laughs> Thanks for the
2: recommendation. Thank you for, um, for enjoying my books. I, I always, I, I've always encouraged uh, folks who read my books, my email address is in there. I will archive your email, I guess, uh, if you reach out to me, but you know, please drop me a line and let me know
1: how you like the books. Will do. Will do. Hey man, it's been great having you on the show and, uh, hopefully we can do this again. Yeah, absolutely. All right. Well, thank you very much. And, uh, thank you all for listening. And we will talk to you in about two more weeks.
0: You have been listening to Hacker Public Radio at hackerpublicradio.org. Today's show was contributed by a HBR listener like yourself. If you ever thought of recording a podcast, then click on our contribute link to find out how easy it really is. Hosting for HBR has been kindly provided by anhonesthost.com. The Internet Archive and rsync.net. Unless otherwise stated, today's show is released under a Creative Commons Attribution 4.0 International License.